Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. From Luke chapter 13, beginning of verse 6. And it's a, a story of uh, the fig tree. Matter of fact, I'm going to read to you a lot there today. And uh, so often ever uh, Jesus was using these parables, he was talking about the nation of Israel and then looking forward to the day and time whenever we as the Gentiles would be grafted in as a part of that, of his, his salvation plan. And so we all walk in this today of what these scriptures, these promises make. But Luke 13, 6 through 9, and it's a, a, a parable, and I think probably we all know what a parable is. Uh, my uh, grandkids can tell me. I was asked on it today. It, it is a story that explains spiritual truths, really heavenly truths of what Jesus was trying to uh, tell to his disciples and to the crowds. He says, then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it go on using up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. What can happen in a year? <laughs> Before, we would all thought, well, it's just another year. I've lived 64 of them. It's just another year. You know, my grandkids on A's 8, Zion's 10, a year out of their life is uh, quite a little bit of time. A year out of my life sometimes seems like just a blip, and it seems like they're going so fast right now. What can happen in a year? What's changed in our world in the last year? I know it's probably been, uh, well, we're probably on to about 14 months now, and uh, uh, it's just incredible the changes that have happened, uh, what we have gotten used to, uh, things we would have never thought about before, uh, and just how we live, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's even hard to sometimes do friendships, relationships. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it, it's become just a different world. Uh, I jokingly always say B.C. Used to, we always said B.C. was before Christ, A.D. was uh, after uh, Christ had come. Everything in our calendar is always marked by that of that time whenever Christ came into the world. But now, sometimes when I think of B.C., it's kind of before COVID. Uh, everything has changed kind of since that's come and come into our world. But change was needed for this fig tree. And he said, it's been three years. Nothing's happening. Why continue to have used up soil? Cut it down. We'll let another tree uh, use up the nutrients that are in the soil. Or we'll plant something else here. And so often... Uh, we just continue to do the same thing day after day after day, whereas God is wanting to make a difference in our lives because he wants to make a difference in our world, in our city, in our friends, in our family. See, change was needed for the fig tree. He says, let me dig around it. I don't know how many of you are uh, into gardening or into planting or different things, but there's a reason that you kind of dig around and you, you stir up the soil so it's easier for the moisture to get down in there. It's easier for the nutrients. Uh, you put fertilizer in. Uh, I grew up on a farm. Uh, well, uh, sometimes whenever uh, you've been grown up in the country, 
uh, you can't ever get the country out of you. Uh, you can't ever, uh, <laughs> you'd like to, but that's just who you are and uh, uh, you're so shaped by that. But he says, okay, give it one more year. I do, what I do now, I pastored for 30 years, kind of like Pastor Elijah's doing here. But uh, the last, well, it's going on 12 years now, I've done leadership coaching with other pastors and other church ministries and ministry leaders around the Kansas City area. Uh, a lot has changed in the last year. Before that time, it's like church was just going on just the same, just the same. And everybody said, oh, man, this so disrupted the church, and they wouldn't allow us to meet. And, uh, you know, in, in Kansas, I know we got to get back to meeting earlier than you all even did up here. But some were like, oh, it's just totally destroyed everything that we had. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, God continued to go forward. So if it didn't last, maybe it wasn't of God in the first place. And I have some statistics here that tells you that the church needs to change. And they're just from the Assemblies of God, which is the denomination I'm a part of. And these were 2019 statistics, okay? Not for what happened in this last year of 2020, but there's a little under 13,000 churches and Assemblies of God scattered around the United States. 72% of those churches in 2019 were either plateaued or declining from where they had been over the recent three years. 72%. In Kansas, it was 66%. So maybe we can pat ourselves on the back and say, wow, we're just a little less terrible than everybody else. 36% had less than 50 people, 64% less than 100, in communities where there were people all around them. See, the church needs to change, and the church often has lost its purpose. We think the church is just about us. See, we need his presence, Holy Spirit. We need your presence in our lives. Why? Because we're going out into a world where everybody's going to bump into us. And when they do, what's really in us is going to come out. I mean, I've learned that here in Philadelphia. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I watched sports in Philadelphia for many years, but I've learned sometimes just walking on the streets and being in different places, uh, you don't keep moving or you don't do what you're supposed to do. There is nobody hesitant to ever let you know. You know, <laughs> sometimes the other day I, I'm merging and... Uh, you know, I let, I, uh, cars are coming in to merge. Everybody else cutting them off. I let them in. And uh, I said, go ahead. I'm from Kansas. I'm a nice guy. You know, you can, uh, you, you can have the lane. I don't care. I'm really going to still get there, even if it is five seconds later than what, uh, what you got there. But we need to change. And when I say that the church needs to change, we're the church. The church isn't a building. isn't a place we meet. We need to change. But, you know, nobody likes change. But this last year taught us change. I've often said that the only person who really likes change is a wet baby. Outside of that, nobody else likes change. They like, I'm comfortable with this. Sometimes it'll be somebody else who's pushing for change and in their jobs and different things. You know, some things changed in the last year, and we really loved it. Uh, it's great working from home. Uh, suddenly not all the traffic or all the issues that you had to have. Uh, there's some great pluses that have, that have gone on in it. And uh, even in the business world, I know it has, but even in the church world, it's drugged the church about 10 years ahead of uh, during this time. And it's given us a chance to really reset and say, wait a minute, what's more important? What should we really be doing? 
You know, there's another scripture about the fig tree, and this was uh, early in Luke here, and it's in uh, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, and uh, John the Baptist comes, and he's preaching to the, uh, uh, the Jewish people, and they're coming out there by the river, and they're, they're hearing him preach. And he says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not be, uh, begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, which was always their bragging right. Sometimes we might say, well, we've just always been faithful, or I talk with church leaders, and our church has always been here in this community. We, we, we've just always been here. We've been in this place, this location. Everybody knows where, they are, where we are. They can come to us. He says, don't say that uh, we have Abraham as our father. He says, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even more, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What do we need to do? We've got to change. You know, it's, it's funny because I've grown up in church all my life. I truly was born on Saturday night, December 29th, 1956. If you're really bored, you can flip back in your calendar. That's true. On Saturday night, my uh, parents, my mama got done with milking the cows, went to the clinic in Versailles, which is seven miles away, got there at 9 o'clock. I was born at 9.30, and we were back home by 10. And the next morning, on Sunday morning, we went to church. That's the way it always was. I have 14 brothers and sisters. And all our lives, we went to church. That's the only time it seemed like we really left the farm was we went to school or we went to church. And for us, church, it had a lot of special memories about what had happened in our lives. I still remember uh, when I gave my heart to the Lord on February 11th, 1972. I was 15 years old. And I can still remember the place going down there. And I remember years later coming back, and they'd done a big remodel on the stage and changed it around. I'm kind of like, my spot's gone <laughs> where I got saved. And sometimes we will think through what church is. And church isn't a place just with special memories. It's not a personality. Elijah has a lot of personality. If you've come to know him, whether it's in the pulpit or uh, it's in just everyday life, wherever you go, uh, he's got all personality. But you know what? It's not the personality in the pulpit. That's not what ch uh, church is about. It's not all the programs, whether it's kids' programs or, or Bible studies or what's happening now in Zoom meetings. It's not the programs. It's not even the people, the friends. You know, I, I love to come, and I, I've seen uh, two or three people here that I don't know and <laughs> look forward to a chance to uh, get to meet you uh, but I don't know you. I can't call you by name. Others, it's like over the times whenever we've got to be here, I, I've got to know you, and, and I hear what's happening in your life and hear what's going on. And we love to get together with our friends, and that's a great reason to be at church, but that's not the most important reason. You can get friends anywhere. It's not even a, I go to church because I lead worship or I'm going to speak or uh, I run sound or uh, do the media or whatever it be or you know, different things. Sometimes we have positions and we think, well, I have to be there because i got to fulfill that position. It's great that you're being faithful, but that's not the reason to be a church. The reason we come is we come to celebrate what he's done in our lives. And we come because we need his presence to dwell us. We sometimes spend all week surrounded by so many things. We need to be surrounded by him. We need that, that, that weekly cleansing. As I say, I was in church the very next day after I was born. And the one place we were always going to go was a church. 
And we joke all the time that as a family, we had a drug problem. We were just always drugged to church. It wasn't a choice. Okay, are you, we going to go or uh, are we going to do something else? We always went. We used to have those pens that you could hang together, line up year after year. We went to Sunday school church every week. But that isn't what makes a difference in our lives. I'm glad I was raised there. But there still came a day in time that I had to know that I needed a Savior. It wasn't just trying to do all the good things. It was that I needed a Savior. And that's what he said there, uh, John the Baptist was preaching. He says, there's got to be a change. There's got to be a difference that's going on in your life. You know, they asked, they said, what do we have to do? You know, he said, if you've got two tunics, two coats, give one away to somebody else who doesn't have one. He said to the tax collectors, they said, what do we have to do? He says, do your job, but don't cheat anybody anymore. Don't charge any more than what's the right thing that you ought to do. The soldiers came to him. They said, what do we have to do? He says, go on and do your job. Protect people. He says, take care of them. He says, but don't compel them to do something over and above. Don't use your position for your own advantage. You know, just simple truths. There's always a change that has to go in our lives whenever the Lord's presence is there. See, what is really needed to bring change to Philadelphia? I know that's the name of this church, but whenever I'm saying that, I'm not talking about this church bringing change to Philadelphia. I'm talking about what it means each one of us individually bringing change to wherever our influence is in this city or around this area. Or I don't know. It's ever close here. It could be over in New Jersey. I don't know where uh, exactly it is for you. But one thing that we need is a clear why. Why are we here? See, and that starts with a fresh vision. That starts with time before the Lord. That starts with hearing. What's he saying to us? What's he have for us? What's he want for us? The second thing that it is, is a committed who. It has to be people who are going to say, I'm going to live it out and I'm going to make a difference as far as I can, as far as it depends on me. Can you say you're going to reach all 7, 8 million? I don't know how many people are here in the metropolitan area. Are you going to do it? problem is some people will never, ever share their faith, their love with somebody in their family, somebody they work with, their best friends who they go out with. See, that's who God wants you to. Yesterday I was here and I was helping Elijah unload some stuff, and there's some guys standing out on a corner and just shouting and proclaiming. And i got to be honest, it may have sounded good to some people, but it wasn't totally biblical. It was kind of using things for what you wanted to say, and I was just kind of like, uh, no, I almost want to go out there and say, that isn't right. And I heard him say, in the Greek, this is what it really meant. I want to say, no, that's not what it said in the Greek. <laughs> but Elijah told me I, I'm best just not to say anything. But there's a part in there that I just want to say, you're doing more damage because you're not speaking the word of God. You're not speaking truth. You're not talking about God's love and what's done in your life. We have to have a committed who, a team that says, as far as it depends on me. And you know what? You're not going to reach a lot of people by shouting out on the streets. You're going to reach people by showing God's love out on the streets. Are you going to uh, reach people by just showing love, just in the way you respond? I mean, how can you talk about, well, I want to do outreach, but I'm not going to love people that are in my own family, <laughs> or I'm not going to care about people who I work with. And the last thing you need is just a confidence of how. How are we going to do it? The change logo was up all go, and I don't know what's on the screen. I can't ever see it out there. Uh, yeah, is the logo out there, change? 
I was looking at that, and it was weird. I thought, because there's three things that really go on in this whenever I say that of what we need. One is up, so look at the top of that triangle. I'm going there. Is our relationship with God. That has to be first and foremost. And then down to the right on bottom, as I saw that uh, kind of uh, V going in there of making the, the triangle image, I thought the second thing is about pouring in to ourselves. See, we need to put into ourselves. It's dangerous, though, if all you do is put it into yourself and you never give out. Uh, it's just the most horrible thing in the world. There's nothing worse than Christians who are inward-focused all the time. What can God do for me? And then on the other side, there's one there where it's almost a small arrow and then it's good and bigger, I thought, is the out? See, we have a responsibility because of what God has done for us to now do something for somebody else to really reach out. And you know that outreach should just continue to grow all the time whenever you see that going there. You know, God is pouring into us. The Word of God is being poured into us. We have discipleship. We have groups that are pouring into us. We come on Sunday, but we just didn't worship. Was the up, the celebrating, the focus of realizing we're not here because we have good ideas. We're not here because we're friends. That may come out of this, but we're here because we came to worship God and we know that he's number one in our lives. I want to read to you another portion of Scripture. Because I, uh, I want to get down to where uh, we really need to focus. Because I've seen some changes go on in this world that uh, is making me really relook at things. I made a commitment back at the start of February. Uh, just kind of this challenged my heart to read through the Bible, just to read an hour or two every day just to try to set aside big chunks and just to read and hear what God was saying. And uh, that's something I, just, I actually figured out how long it'll take you to read or even to listen to the Bible app uh, that you can put in your headphones and listen to it. It'll take you 72 hours and 18 minutes. It'll take you 54 hours for the Old Testament and, well, and a little more, 17 hours and 56 minutes for the New Testament which really isn't that much time whenever you think of a, your different things or you think of what you watch in TV shows and do different things. But just to hear and just, I mean, I've read the Bible numerous times. I say, I've been in church 64 years. But suddenly just to read it in a tight, compressed time like that and uh, really just to get a book, sometimes it would be two or three hours that I would spend just reading along. And uh, I had Max McLean from the NIV uh, just reading the background there. If you don't have the Version app, get it. It's great to have that. Just whenever you're walking around the streets, you're going for a walk, you're doing normal things, just to be, allow that to be read and just to, to speak into your mind. But in Luke 21, I want to read to you another uh, story that Jesus gives. And this is whenever he's given the signs of the end times and what's going to happen in the last days. And they were asking all kinds of questions about that because they just looked at the temple and they said, look how great this temple is, you know, isn't it magnificent? And he begins to tell them that, uh, you know, there's coming a time, and we know that it happened, around 40 years later in uh, 70 AD, that the temple of Jerusalem was absolutely destroyed. And it continued on a thing back and forth, and you've seen that. And you've seen, if you've watched the news this last week, you've seen that continual fight going on over that small piece of land there, <laughs> kind of the, the temple mount, whether it be uh, for the Palestinians or the Israelites, and all the fighting that's going on there and focused in that one little area once again. And, and they're looking at this place, and then he begins to tell them of what's going to happen in the last days. And it says again, in verse 21, verse 29, it says, He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. 
When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation that sees these things going on will certainly not pass away until all those things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your drunkenness, or be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with your carousing, your drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. As I've started just to read Scripture and try to look at news and try to listen to it from different things, I mean, if you get all your news from uh, CSNBC or MSNBC or Fox or different things or... See, you know, it's almost like they all want to influence your thought into what you believe. If there's some way that you can get and try to hear different sides and even read just on what's going on and read it in the light of God's Word because He begins to say of what's going to happen. And I look at the things that He talks about and I see them happening all around us. I see even what happened in the last year. Because it tells me in the last days there will be that man, the, the spirit of the Antichrist who will dwell somebody, who there's that man of lawlessness. And even as it always is, you know, to get rid of the police and all like that. No, we need to end racism. We need to end racism. We need to end bad people in any career. I don't care what it is, different things. And uh, I, I walk on both sides. And in Kansas City, uh, we're fortunate that we haven't had the issues that other cities have, have faced. And we've tried to walk that. We both serve the police force in a chaplaincy uh, place, and we also uh, serve the community and uh, walk with all different ones in the community. And we've got pastoral leaders there who are always saying, oh, man, this. And, and they've said to me that Black Lives Matter got robbed from us. It got taken away, and now it's uh, somebody else who's using it for a different purpose. And I've got a good friend, uh, my pastor friend, who says the worst problem is we don't have a leader like Martin Luther King Jr. again, <laughs> to stand and really to deliver a true message who knew the gospel and lived out the gospel. We have everybody who's just hijacked it. But lawlessness has to be there. It's needed of what's going to go on in that small piece of land in the Middle East. I watch it. I see what's happening around us in our weather and different things. And I say, Lord, we're seeing things that you talked about. Is this that generation and even as it talks there about one day what it will be, that the church will be taken away, and we know what it is, and Second Thessalonians says that restrains it, this sense of lawlessness that's there, it is the Christians in this world. And that whenever it's, uh, they are raptured once again, and I've often thought, how could that be explained? And then I see TV shows that so often talk about how five billion people went missing, or this or that, or, or what they're doing, and now they're back. And I thought... Wow, we are being shaped by so many things that when I look at the Word of God and what Christ was talking about, and I look at the years as they roll together, and, and I, I look at the uh, 4,000 years earlier and the 2,000, I think, is it surprising that we really are coming close? And I grew up in the 70s hearing all this prophecy preaching and thinking, I don't see how all that work. And they used to try to talk about how it could be controlled as computer in Brussels, and I'm thinking... I've got more computer power in my iPhone than what had in that big thing at that time. And yet I look at what it is, and, you know, I always love it whenever they start to send out the uh, uh, checks and, and uh, 
Uh, yeah, everybody's like, well, how are they going to get them into our accounts? Different things. Uh, how do you do, get our numbers? And I love it. Steve Mnuchin, he just stands up there and says, oh, don't worry about it. We've already got your numbers. And I think, uh, this is all concerning. Okay, but then I think, wait a minute. Well, we're surrounded by all this. I'm still surrounded by him. That's my hope. You know, uh, I do look at things around and I'm like, okay, what's the world going to be? What kind of changes, decisions are we making? If the Lord tarries, that's going to affect my children my grandchildren. I'm not too worried about things of how they're going to impact me. But then I think, no, you know what? God's in control. So how do we live? We see all these things going around us. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. I'll read this. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with his spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last night, I got the privilege uh, to uh, be with uh, Elijah and Ashley and some. Uh, Cliff and Nicole, who's part of this church, uh, were uh, celebrating their marriage vows. And, you know, it's always interesting in a marriage, uh, you know, because you see the center aisle, and sometimes you, you see that in marriage when they set up everything, always the center aisle. It's not just about how easily to get people in. The reason we establish that as they were putting together churches and all like that about two or three hundred years ago, and they started looking and they said, a center aisle, because it was the idea of whenever Abraham made the Abrahamic covenant and he cut the sacrifices too and laid them to either side, and he walked down the aisle in a commitment to God that, hey, he was going to trust in God, and he and God walked back together through the sacrifices. And last night, whenever I heard Cliff and Nicole celebrate 10 years of marriage, and a new commitment they were making to one another, a recommitment. And I thought, that's what we need to do. See, so often we think, okay, I asked the Lord in my heart one time, and that's enough. We're done. Well, in one sense, we could say it is, because I do believe that whenever you ask Christ in your heart, and you try to live according to his word, you need to relax and take it easy, because you know what? It is biblical security. In the fact that we live according to the Bible, God is always reaching out to us. God isn't dangling us over hell saying, man, one mistake, Elijah, and you're gone. I've just been wanting to get rid of you. One mistake. Okay, man, that's your father-in-law. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no, too. But we sometimes live like that. Like God is just always wanting to get God isn't. He loved us so much he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. You know what that means? He's already done everything he can for us. Therefore, I have the peace and assurance that he's going to do everything he can to make sure that I'm in heaven with him. But as I watched that reenactment and I heard them read vows and talk about what they'd grown in over the last 10 years and, and what their love and friendship or relationship with one another had meant, and I thought, we need to do that more because it reminds us of how much he loves us. And it also reminds us we can't love him as much as he loves us but we're going to love him with everything that we have. Because that's what he says about the church. The church is the bride of Christ. He says, so how do you live? He says, live as wise people. Make the most of every opportunity. That means when you get a chance to share Christ, do I think you need to have bullhorns out on the street? Not at all. 
Do I mean whenever the Spirit speaks to you and says, hey, this person needs a friend, or this person needs to hear about the love of Christ? And they don't need all the Scripture. You know what they need? Just what God has done in your life. Uh, Sean, I heard you say it earlier. <laughs> what do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb, which has already been done by what Christ has done, and the word of our testimony. <laughs> That's all we have. That is all you have. So this morning, this is how I want to end this. I want to invite you to a recommitment to the Lord. I don't know if you've been a Christian for, well, 49 years in my case. Even though I've been in church all 64, it was 49 years ago whenever I made that commitment to the Lord. Or whether it is that uh, you've just made it recently, or maybe you're here today and you're with somebody else and you've never made it. I invite you to come down here and join me. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Everybody just stand. Never be pressured. You have to do this or anything for pressure. But see that center aisle? See, there's a reason I said it's put in there. Because it's symbolic of that covenant that was made between Abraham and God. And the reason we come down is it's symbolic of saying, God, I need you. The reason we have the wedding, the party always comes down the middle aisle and the bride is, it's symbolic. And the groom is always waiting. They come down and then they go back together. Now what we're saying is, God, I need you. I need you. And I'm recommitting my love for you. I'm saying I love you and I need you. And you got to help me live it. And I heard, I heard Cliff Nicole saying that last night of what they were going to do and with God's help and with the help of one another. Because that's all we do. Are you still going to fail at times? I'll bet you do. I wouldn't have to follow you around long. You wouldn't have to follow me around long to see me all of a sudden do something that doesn't look totally like Christ. But you know what I'm glad for? His commitment towards me doesn't change because I failed once. It's still there. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. As they just begin to sing a song, I'm going to invite you to just come down and just symbolically, that's what you're doing is just saying, Lord, I'm putting my hope in you and I'm saying I need your presence, your fullness in my life. I need it because I'm going out into a world that's going to bump into me. And you know what needs to spill out of me? It's the love of God into their lives. They don't need my anger. They don't need my wrath. They don't need all my answers to whatever the situations are. They just need your love. And I need your love. I need to know and be reminded once again that you love me. So if you'd like to join me, I'm going to actually turn it over to the worship team here. I'm going to come down and join there. Let's place that from up here. Of just uh, my love for the Lord once again. But if you'd like to, come on down and join. This is just a recommitment today, just saying, Lord, we need you because we're getting ready to go out to a world that needs you. And the only way they're going to be reached is through you doing it. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.